Google defines codependency as excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a partner, typically one who requires support on account of an illness or addiction. Huh. (laughs) Well, that's, I mean, the thing is, we've talked about codependency a lot. I've never, ever thought of it being about codependency because of illness or addiction. Uh, I've always thought of it as being, I am happy when I am seeing you happy in our relationship. Yeah, I think for today's purposes in discussing codependency, it is that you, your emotions subconsciously are controlled by your partner's emotions. Word. Like if your partner is mad, it affects your mood. If your partner's happy, it affects your mood. If you are... Like you can't, it's almost like you can't feel any certain way unless they're okay. And Dave and Rachel Hollis have a long history of codependence. We say we're recovering codependence, but the recovery process is ongoing and maybe will be for the rest of our lives. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis. And I'm Dave Hollis. And we're married. For like 15 years. And we have four kids. That's like a thousand kids. We've been foster parents to four kids as well. And we're running a business together. That's a lot of things. It is a lot of things. But we know that it's possible to have an exceptional relationship regardless of the stresses you have in your life. So if you want some tips and tricks on how we get through all the things, this is Rise Together. our codependency like how do you feel like it i mean it just was from the time we got in relationship yeah i mean i guess how did it how did it manifest for you how do you feel like you were codependent with me well i mean i was always in a posture of if you if like if i hold on you think you were always this way with me always codependent I don't think that you started our relationship codependent. The first year of our relationship, absolutely not. Hmm. Because it would have been impossible for us to have the first year that we had if you were that caring of my feelings. I don't. Maybe I just wasn't as observant of your feelings at the beginning of a relationship because I have been a person who has been conscientious of keeping other people happy for my entire life. But I'm wondering if y'all, if you're confused about what we're talking about, there's a whole chapter in Girl, Wash Your Face on the first year of our relationship. But it was uh, a hard year, not great, uh, just not great. And then at the end of that year, I told you I never wanted to see you again. Goodbye. And I meant it. And if I had to guess, I feel like that's when it shifted for you. Because now you had lost me? Well, I mean, here's the thing. We're talking, this is like two totally different things. The year in question was a year that was defined for me by something that had previously happened in my dating human's life that made me keep people at arm's length and never allow anyone to get very close, which that was the thing that pushed you away and was the thing that made you feel miserable and 
my codependence was at odds with the kind of brokenness that existed because of someone who cheated on me in my past. And so I'm not sure that when we were dating, it was as like great a representation of who I inevitably ended up being when we were in a committed relationship that was like, hey, guess what? Come on in. The walls have been taken down. I'm fully available and exposed and vulnerable for you to now crush my baby heart careful proceed with caution once we were like past my pushing you away or keeping you at arm's length then it was I think completely different yeah I just think it's important to note because I was this way from the second I met you so because I was so young when we met 19 and you were 27 yeah I had never I'd never even gone on a date before I met Dave Hollis and I had no idea how to be in a relationship. And I was also coming out of a childhood. I've talked about this before, but coming out of a childhood of being in a family where what my dad wanted was most important. Everything was about making sure daddy was happy because when daddy wasn't happy, there was a temper and that was scary. And so I just thought that's what you do. You just make sure that he is happy with you at all times. And what's crazy about it is that then it's not just about, is he happy with me at all times? It becomes, is he happy with life at all times? Like if he's frustrated from work, I'm stressed out because even though it has nothing to do with me, I'm just like living in fear of him being unhappy. I I mean, I think we've made a lot of progress, but there's still between both of us a... Like there's a sense that either of us have of how like one of us is doing the opposite of us. I can't even get my words out. How one of us is doing that has the other, if we're not doing well, wonder if maybe they could be doing something differently to help pull them out of that funk. Um, I mean, just to yesterday when you wanted to go to the coffee shop to work on some stuff you're like having to tell me four times, if you don't want to go, it's totally fine. I mean, like I'm going to go and I just love the energy at a coffee shop, but if you don't want to go, it's totally fine. And part of what motivates me for wanting to go is knowing that it would make you happy for me to be there less than my loving the energy of a coffee shop. I'm doing the practical like we're going to drive for 40 minutes back and forth from to a coffee shop so that we can work. Like, let's get 40 more minutes of work done. i'm laughing because it's like so accurate well because in that instance i'm inviting you because i feel like that's what you do like hey partner i'm gonna go do this thing and then as soon as i invited you even though you're like yeah like i could see on your face you don't want to do that thing so i kept saying like you don't have to do this because i just want you to know that you definitely don't have to do it but I thought we started this episode saying that we've gone so like made so much progress. Oh my gosh, we have. Because oh, we have. here's what I would say. We're in a place now where I will be totally honest with you. Not immediately, it takes me a minute, but I will get to a place where I will like be a I'm not I don't even know the word without cussing, but like I will be so honest with you about what I'm really feeling. You have some of those letters in your upcoming book. Yeah. Um, when I absolutely wouldn't have done that even two years ago. 
Yeah. Like I would, uh, we, we did another episode where we talked about fighting styles and my fighting style isn't one. I just shut down. I, I, I don't do confrontation well. And so I would carry feelings or frustrations or anger forever and not say it to you because I don't even want to get into confrontation or because I don't want to hurt your feelings. Like there are some subjects I know you are so sensitive about and I won't say what I'm feeling because I don't want to hurt you, which I mean, vice versa, right? Like For we sure. both do this. Uh, but I am super proud of the fact that I will say the things now. I don't say them mean. I'm very thoughtful about how I'm saying them. But the fact that I wouldn't have done that years ago. Yeah. Because it's like now today, 36 years old, when I when I don't say what's on my heart and my mind, now I feel disappointed in myself because I'm not like standing up for myself and then and this is the worst i feel bitter yeah and you didn't even it's it's crazy because like i'll feel bitter at you but you didn't even like tell me not to say it for sure you know it, it's so nice here's the thing i feel the same thing and and i get mad at myself for not articulating the thing that i am frustrated with because it's back again it's all on me but one of the things in this last year that I've become acutely aware of as I've made all these big leaps and we've moved and I'm now in this new environment job-wise and I've written this book and it, the book was a lot of, frankly, triggering conversations about a whole bunch of stuff around mindset and motivation. I am not motivated like you. Mm -hmm. I do not wake up with the same like thing that you have burning inside of you. I have to manufacture my motivation in a way that you have a self-manufacturing motivation machine. You're a unicorn. God bless you and everyone who gets to benefit from that motivation. But when you get motivated and you get on fire for a thing that I have not myself been motivated for, there are times when I find myself pushing to stay in your motivation mindset begrudgingly, like frustratingly at times because I'm like, Ugh, I don't feel this, but I don't want to let her down. I don't feel this, but I don't want her to judge me for not feeling it. I don't feel like, right? And so the times when I like finally get around to the point where I'm like, all right, I need to say something is like, it ends up being a relief because I don't like it too, like carrying around a thing that of course, because I haven't vocalized it is like a bitterness that I am solely responsible for. Yeah, there was a lot earlier in our relationship the codependence wasn't just about like oh if you're upset then I'm nervous or if you're if I'm sad then you can't be happy like it was also we had no life outside of the other person yeah so I think that's how a way codependence manifested for us like really struggled but if Dave wanted to go you know have dinner with his guy friends like I would get my feelings hurt because which is insane. Like the 36 year old <laughs> version of me understand this is insane, but I was so young that I would be frustrated. Uh, so it would be like, okay, I support you going to get dinner. And then I would kind of subconsciously then punish you for doing that. Which by the way, it became like a really bad cycle because 
I would do something thinking that, yep, we both have to be whole humans. We need to pursue like individual passions as much as we need to pursue couple passions. I'd go do it, get the feedback, whether it was like actual feedback or passive aggressive feedback or subconscious feedback. And because of the codependent nature that I have in myself of wanting to keep you happy, it would gate my willingness to go back out on that path and have, you know, hang out time with friends, which would result in resentment and everything else. Right. So like it, it creates, it it's created loops over time that until we could actually be honest about it and break them, my goodness, they were treacherous. Yeah. And I think having the lives that we have now, it's even, it's really funny because we spend so much time together. We do spend a lot of time together. Like, we're driving to work. We're working. We're coming home. We're with it. We are together a lot. Yeah. And I think that's uh, uh, one of the gifts. I'm going to find a gift in all the travel I've had to do this year is a break. Be- and that sounds kind For of. For sure. Crazy. So I love alone time. I love alone time. Um, and what's crazy is that even when we're together, even we're sitting, it's not like we're necessarily talking to each other. Like if we're sitting in bed at night and I'm reading a book and you're watching a baseball game or whatever, um, we're together, but we're not talking. But I still, there's something like luxurious about reading that same book by myself. Which, by the way, is maybe the best evidence of our progress in codependency because there would have 100% been a time, not, what, five, eight years ago, where if we weren't both watching the thing, if we weren't both playing the game, if we weren't both in a conversation, that it felt like in some way there was this betrayal of the other person for having decided to do something for yourself, which is, again, 44-year-old version of me, I can say, cuckoo yeah in fact i would have even hesitated to say five years ago that i like being alone oh i love being alone yeah high five i booked you on something this week that you're not even really going to (laughs) you're going to show up and there's nobody there just so that i can get one solid night by myself oh my god that's terrible do you really like to be alone i love to be alone i am i i grew up as the oldest of four kids and my younger siblings honestly have joked, like, where was Dave when we were growing up? Because I got up every morning to do my homework at 5 a.m. I was a person who would come home from school and close my door. I like I I have always been someone who was like an isolated kind of human. I've not always I, I haven't had a ton of friends necessarily over the course of my life. And I I do like to, I do like to be alone now. I also am like super crazy about the people that I want to really invest and spend time with. And you're like the person that I want to invest and spend time with. Right. And so like. That's part of the problem, too, with how much we hang out is there's what's the Ed Sheeran and um, Justin Bieber have a song that's like. I don't care. No, it's um, it's basically like I hate everyone but you. <laughs> That's for sure not the song, but I heard it and I'm like, yes, this is us. Is we just really like each other. But if we're not hanging out with each other, then I would like to be alone. I'm here for it. I am but here for th- it. But again, that's it's been a long time. So I guess here's my question. If someone's listening to this right now and they're like, man, 
I worry that we have a codependent relationship. And here's here's like a good quick test. You're having a great day. It's been a fantastic day. Your partner comes home. They've had a miserable day. Who Whose like emotions take control of the house? Who is the thermostat and who is the thermometer? Oh, that's good. Yeah. Have we explained the thermostat and thermometer Please before? Please do. So... I've had this conversation with every work group I've ever worked in. We heard it originally at church years and years ago. But the idea is there are two kinds of people. There are people who operate as a thermostat, and there are people who operate as a thermometer. A thermometer measures the temperature of the room. So if the room is excited or angry or disappointed or frustrated, the entire room goes down to that level when that energy walks into it. Like if your partner is upset or happy or whatever, the codependent person will become the same emotion. Yep, and the thermostat is something that you set. So you set the temperature that you'd like to achieve, you set the outcome that you'd like to achieve, you set the intention that you'd like to achieve, and if you've set it, no matter what walks in the room, the room stays the temperature that the thermostat has been set to, and obviously every one of us should aspire to be the thermostat. I remember years ago, it was like the first time that I realized that I did this, is you had come home and you were pissed off. Something had happened at work, you are really pissed off, and I immediately went into fix-it mode. I was like, could I make you a drink? You're like, no. Could, do you want to, you know, can we, you want to watch a movie? No. You want to make out? No, like you and I kept trying to get different things to sort of pull you out of it. And you looked at me and you were like, Rachel, I'm allowed to be upset. You do not have to fix it. You don't have to make it better. It's nothing you did. I am allowed to feel the way I'm feeling without you thinking that you need to fix me. And it was like mind blowing to me. I remember because I it had never I know that sounds dumb, but it never occurred to me that it wasn't my job to fix you. Like I thought like, oh, if he's if he's upset and you do the same thing with me. Of course. You're like, oh, I got to make this right. It It, never occurred to me. The crazy thing is there are plenty of times when you are struggling with something that is, you know, that that I think, you know, my job here is to come in and be a voice of reason. My job here is to come in and give you an explanation as to why things are happening the way that they are or try to paint the silver lining around this gray cloud. And the headline is, that is not what you need necessarily because sometimes you just have to sit in being frustrated, in feeling overwhelmed, in feeling whatever it is that you're feeling. And a lot of times the thing that you need most is for me to sit next to you and say nothing versus try to talk you out of feeling a thing that you are super justified in feeling. But my my interest in trying to talk you out of it, again, ends up being this like, well, maybe if I can cheer her up, maybe if I can convince her that her worry is unfounded. And what it ends up doing is discounting the feeling that you have in the first place. So it's like super self-defeating. Yeah, or or I think sometimes when you try and fix it, or as a, you're an Enneagram 9, which is a peacekeeper, you'll try and give other people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And it makes me feel like I'm you're discounting yeah. what I'm feeling. For sure. When if you just, like you said, if you just sort of listened, would be all I was really looking for in that moment. You know what I love about this podcast? What? How much we save on couples therapy by working it all just out right here on the floor of our closet. Real time. Dang it. Um, so what would you say to 
couples who their form of codependency shows up how ours did when we were younger of really not having a life outside the other person. Yeah, I mean, I think the like best, most exceptional relationships are those where you have two whole humans, not, you know, like we each complete each other. We do not. We are complete in and of ourselves. And the completeness in part comes in pursuing a life both with each other and without each other. And so part of what I would say is if you are not currently in a habit of finding time for self-care, that is by yourself going to some place, whether it's on a walk or run, whether it's going to a spa or a massage, doing like doing something for yourself, you need to and your partner needs to commit to things like that. And if you don't currently have time carved out where each of you get time away from each other to be in community with other people, you need to commit to that where he or she is hanging out with them and he or she is hanging out with the other them, like the circle of friends that are going to afford a chance to laugh. It could be a chance to frankly commiserate a little bit if they're going through a hard thing at work, or frankly, it could be just getting some objectivity outside of your relationship from other people yes. that might be able to see something in a way that you cannot because of how close you are to the That's situation. so important. For me, I think uh, because you are my best friend and I genuinely love hanging out with you and we spend so much time together, it is really important that I have the opportunity to hang out with friends who aren't you so that I could talk about us. Yeah. And not in a negative way, but like just uh, it helps me for other women to be like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. My partner too. like, oh, yeah, he did that, too. And here's sort of how it just is really helpful and makes and sort of normalizes that if we are only with each other, you don't like you said, you don't get any outside perspective. Yeah. I mean, just spending time with a couple of dudes who can assure me that the thing that I was getting emotional about when it comes to being codependent was not worthy of the emotion is a thing that can neutralize it in like altogether. And so I, yeah, I, mean, I also like, feel like it's been really helpful for you to have guy friends. Like there's so much stuff that's come up for you in the last handful of years, being a guy and turning certain ages that I don't understand like I can be super supportive of but I feel like it's been really helpful for you to talk to other guys who have turned 40 or 42 or whatever and they're like yeah dude I went through the same feelings I had to shake things up too like I feel like that has been for really sure there's a, there's just a relatability and again there's a bias that you have or a bias that I have toward you that doesn't create objectivity when it comes to processing the things that either of us are going through that that third party absolutely can come to the table with I guess I would also say just making sure that you have things that you like to do alone. And because codependency doesn't just happen in a romantic relationship. It happens in friend relationships. It happens in siblings. It happens in parents and children. Like, do you have, do you need to be with other people all the time? Do you need other people to do things with you in order for you to feel safe to do them? Could you go have dinner by yourself? Could you go see a movie alone? Do you have a hobby that isn't for anybody else and that you don't need anybody else to do with you that you feel comfortable being alone with your thoughts, 
and it's okay. You just triggered though, like one of the craziest moments of my life was when I I say here we go because he's told me this story a hundred. The thing is, it's like there are certain moments. It's probably one of the catalysts, frankly, for me snapping into the recognition that I needed to marry you was a choice to go when I moved to Minneapolis without any friends to a movie theater to watch a movie called Swim Fan. The only problem Swim with this fan is that you and Topher I 100% saw Swim Fan together in a theater. Well, and you've been telling yourself this story for years that you saw it alone in Minneapolis, but I am telling you we saw it together in a theater. Remember the theater that was at the Beverly Center next to the Daily Grill? That I theater. I, why would you ruin my memory of the lowest point okay. of my adult life. Tell everybody life. what happened when you allegedly saw Swim Fan alone. I cried in the back of the theater because I was by myself because when you choose to go out and be alone versus having no other choice but to go out by yourself, you're faced with the loneliness of being alone. Yeah, he talked to me later that day. This is when he was in Minneapolis. I was in California. We're a long-distance relationship. And he called me later. He's so upset. Because he had gone to the movies by, and I was like, I go to the movies by myself all the time. And he was like, But you have a choice. <laughs> Man, good old days. That was such a growing for you because you probably had never done things alone. I had never, I had never really ever done things alone. And I'd never been in a position where I didn't have a choice but to do things alone. And I'm, trust me, I'm grateful to God for the fact that I had the feelings that I did. I also came back parked my Buick in that garage and listened to Pave Paradise and put up a, put up parking, a parking lot. lot. And I was like, Dave I, gotta, Matthews version. I have yeah. to, I have to marry Rachel Hollis today. <laughs> here's a here's a here's another really interesting question to ask yourself. Maybe this is even about your relationship. Maybe some of y'all just need to hear this for yourselves. A lot of times we are afraid to be alone because we don't want to hear our own thoughts. That's real. And I think that when those times when I'm alone, my favorite my favorite alone things to work through my thoughts are going on a long run. I know you like that too. Love it. Going on a long run or for you, maybe that's some kind of exercise or something that you do that sort of shuts everything off. You're not looking at technology and you're really alone with your thoughts. The other thing is I do a lot of journal work where I will just open a page in my notebook and start writing. And I will not stop when I run out of things to say. I'll just sit with it and sit with it and then some time goes by and more thoughts come and I write those down and it just is such a powerful tool to help me work my way through whatever I'm thinking about. Maybe it's a business idea that I'm trying to figure out or maybe it's a problem I'm having in my life, but it is so powerful for me to be alone with my own thoughts. So I would say if if that's something you don't actively do, don't be afraid of what's in your head. What's in your head is the what you need to come to terms with to grow. What's in your head it, are the answers to the problems. What's in your head are the reasons why you're acting the way that you're acting. There's power in it. By the way, those thoughts are there whether you let them out or not. Yeah. And if you don't let them out, they're controlling you. If you do let them out, you might be able to get in control of them. Absolutely. What you know, like one of the things I think that has been a massive help in the progress that we've made as people who were way more codependent and are still but less codependent today was a scream test, which is what would happen if you were 
to not try and fix their mood. What would happen if you Did were... Did you just say a scream test? Well, when I worked in corporate America, we used to produce a ton of reports. And when a new year would come, we would do what we called a scream test, which was we would just stop producing the report. It went to a distribution list of hundreds of humans. And instead of producing it on Tuesdays, like we had every single Tuesday for the year previous, come January, we just stopped making it. And we would see, did anyone notice... If that report, meaning like, did they scream? Did about they scream the about the, the absence of the report? And so my suggestion here is, we I think have become comfortable allowing the discomfort of there being a delta between how I might feel and you might feel exist, and not fix it just to train ourselves to this reality that we weren't actually a thing that needed to come and fix that mood that situation that thing that you were struggling through and the like the scream test in that instance is you survived i survived right like it it just because i was happy and you were overwhelmed just because i was frustrated and you were content not trying to like let your mood be compromised by it or not trying to you know solve the thing that was plaguing me let some time go by i process that thing or you process that thing there was no scream as it turned out and we trained ourselves that hey guess what when it shows up next time we don't have to run to necessarily fix it it's a long way to explain what a scream is. I like is. it. I've never heard that term before and now I want to use it for everything. I want you to use it for every everything. <laughs> Look, as always, we have conversations on Rise Together to help you start a conversation with your significant other. So if you heard us say things that sound like you and your person, or maybe you heard our definition of codependence and it doesn't look at all like yours, it's a conversation starter. Have your partner listen to this episode and then discuss it together. And we would super appreciate it if you take a screenshot, post this on Instagram at Mr. Dave Hollis, at Miss Rachel Hollis, hashtag Rise Together Podcast. Tell us what you loved and tell us what episodes you would love to see coming down the pipeline. We made this episode, in fact, because one of you humans, or many of you, actually asked, hey, will you talk about codependent relationships? So it's from your comments that we will come up with topics for the next of our episodes. If you really like this, would you do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast? It gives you a notification every single time there's a new episode. And if you really, really loved it, Go on iTunes and review this darn thing. Reviews are the way that other people get the notification about what they might be into. We appreciate it so much, and we look forward to talking to y'all on the next episode of Rise Together.